Community is our next uh, stone today. We're going to talk about community and our need for community, the, the necessity for us to, um, to be a community. Social media has its success, right, basically in our need for community. The reality of social media is, is, that, is that it's a connection point for people. It leaves, it, 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 it leaves people feeling, um, ironically, connected and incredibly unconnected all at the same time. Uh, there, there's a thing you guys heard of FOMO, right? FOMO, fear of missing out. It's a, it's a legitimate thing these days. They, they, a ton of people are, but what happens is we, we get on social media or we, we get on these things and we start to compare our insides to everybody else's outsides, right? And, and in, in a, a forum like Facebook or Instagram or whatever, we, we create a persona of, of, of who we are and what we're all about. And the problem with that is that it's, it's not an authentic representation of our lives because we put all our coolest pictures in there and talk about all of our coolest experiences. And, and we don't really generally tend to get authentic um, with that. Um, as a matter of fact, that if people only use social media, they're left um, depressed, alone, and um, struggling because it can't really fulfill that face-to-face, -face, that real interaction that happens. As a matter of fact, if we enter into real authentic community, we know that all those pictures that we post on Facebook are not for real because we get to understand how messed up we really are, right? You're like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Um, he might put cool pictures up, but here's the reality. And this is the reality of our lives. It's a, it's a shallow connection and it cannot be replaced by true community. We're actually hardwired by our creator to both form and seek out communities. I, I, I wanna hold that, that this is one of the most important stones we're putting on our vision statement here is this idea of community and how will we engage and how will we become the community that God is calling his church to be because um, it's not just something that we attend. Church isn't something that we attend. Church is something that we are supposed to belong to, right? And, and, and what it is, it's, it's a relational component. And without that relational component, we will fail to be the church that God has called us um, to be. You see, we're created in God's image and God within his very self is community. God creates as he is, and as God has created man and has created man in his own image, he has both given us, again, the concept, the idea of both creating and being a part of community. You see, God in his triune nature is a community within himself. He's Father, Son, and Spirit each for all eternity interacting within this love community, um, uh, honoring, giving deference to one another, respecting one another, submitting to one another, all of the things that God has called us to do as people, the, 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 uh, the, the things that God has given us, things like marriage, are, are, is, is a, it's a community, it's a mini community, it's a husband, it's a wife, it's children, it's a triune nature and relationship within itself. And God has given us these gifts because we have been hardwired to participate and to be a part of community. As a matter of fact, I'm going to hold that we can't be healthy people apart from community, that there is an absolute necessity. And community is this idea of common 
unity. It's, it's the idea that, that we have something in common. And most of the communities that, that grow and, and come up out in the world out there, they're, they, they come together around a certain platform. They come together around um, an interest, a hobby, a political affiliation, um, whatever that looks like. We, we come together in communities and we participate in these communities. Our common unity, right, again, is our cornerstone, our our first stone, which is Jesus. This is the common unity that we have as a church. You see, we're called corporately to come together because we can't do this alone in reality. We need one another. We need the encouragement from one another. We need, uh, we need, to, uh, we need to hear from one another. We need different and varying perspectives on ourselves and on our community and what ministry really looks like. It's, it's, it's a big reason why I want to really, really, really encourage you to come out today. Come to this meeting because we're going to be talking about vision. We want to talk about who we are as a church and where we're going. We don't want to just crunch a bunch of numbers. We just want to look at this. The more important thing is who are we, what kind of a community are we forming, and, and what are we really doing you know, in an Aspen Grove, an Aspen Grove is the very largest, I can't remember where this one is, but there's an Aspen Grove somewhere that is the largest organism on earth. It, it weighs millions of tons because an Aspen Grove is all connected. They're all interconnected. They're one organism. When you see a bunch of Aspens, those aren't individual trees. They're actually all held together by a common root system. They are actually one organism. And what's interesting about a, 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 an Aspen community is that it will take some of the nourishment from some of the more healthy trees and distribute it even to the ones that are struggling or ones that are in places with, with less water and things like this. And this is really the kind of community, if we look into the book of Acts and we start to see this, um, we see what God has in mind for us as a church. The hard part about this is that within our community, we bring incredible amounts of diversity. Most communities come together and they have a common thing that they come together for, and, and they, they, they really, uh, their diversity doesn't matter because what they're really focused in on is that one uh, thing. But we, we come together and we come with incredible amounts of diversity, experiences, backgrounds, um, just, uh, our, just our stuff. And we're, we were supposed to come together and then meld and, and, and form into this one group. And I just want to say, it's, it's not a simple thing. It's, it's actually a very difficult thing. You see, if we just came and we were just going to come together because we all loved ping pong or something, well, we'd come, we'd play ping pong, we'd go home, we'd go our separate ways. The problem is, and the struggle within the church is that everything comes back to this idea of, of, of who is God what does he want? You see, it, it permeates every aspect. It, it permeates every part of our lives. We can't just compartmentalize it and say, okay, well, you know, it's over here. It's just this. And, and we, we bring everything with us. It's the lens that we see life through. Um, and, and with this come some real challenges. So let's look at this a little bit and, and see what God calls us to in this idea of community. 1 Peter 5.14 says to greet one another. Seems like a simple thing, but, but, but think about that, you know, just to, to be um, welcoming, 
to, to take a minute and be welcoming to one another, not just those who we're familiar with, but being on purpose and on mission to make sure that we're greeting anybody that might come in that might want to um, explore or be a part of our community. It's a bigger picture than just saying hi to those that we know or our own personal friends. Romans 5, 15, 7, therefore accept one another. We're gonna hear this verse a lot, one another, the one another's in the Bible. These are the things that Jesus began to kind of lay out for us. And Paul, as, as we start talking about forming the church community and what that looks like, accept one another. It says, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. You know, um, sometimes I worry that, that churches become communities that say, hey, if, you, if you're here and if you agree with everything that we say and you're exactly to this point in your spiritual journey and walk and stuff, then okay, you're, you're welcome to be a part of this. I, I don't know that that's really what we're talking about. Jesus, whenever he brought his disciples together, he, he put together a pretty ragtag bunch of people. He went to tax collectors. He went and, and just told them, hey, Put down, you know, come and follow me. Went to a bunch of fishermen. Hey, put your nets down and come and follow me. He didn't say, hey, how do you line up here? Where are you sitting exactly with these kinds of things? You see, that process is a process that the community is supposed to help people to engage in and move through. James 4.11, do not speak against one another, brethren. Those who are common, those who are in this thing, we're not supposed to gossip. We're not supposed to talk poorly about one another. We are supposed to be encouraging and uphold one another, not speaking against one another. The whole idea, again, is this concept of unity. Romans 12, 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. It's one thing that I love, absolutely love about God's church is the degree of diversity that's represented in here today. There's, there's an amazing amount of diversity. There is no way that we would all come together as a group this morning if we didn't have that common unity of Jesus. He's what brings us together. He's that, he's that focal point that we come and we put aside, hopefully, a lot of stuff, but we wanna be of the same mind toward one another. And what is that? I got this bracelet this morning. It's so cool. Hannah got it for me. Does anybody remember the WWJD stuff? What would Jesus do? This is HWLF. He would love first. I love that. Isn't that great? It's, he would love first. That's the answer. And so as we approach, as we deal with one another, God is calling us to this big thing, this big picture that we must love one another. First Peter uh, something, verse 22, <laughs> since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Because of what God has done for us, because of this point of obedience, because of who he is and what he's done, there's a calling on us to not just come to church, but to be dedicated to church, to be sold out for church, to love the church. And remember, the church is not this building. When we all leave, the church will have left the building and this building will be empty. This is the building where the church assembles. The church is God's people and the call is that we would love one another. And listen to some of that, to some of the verbiage here, a sincere love, fervently 
love one another from the heart. I think what's, what's, what's really easy for us to do is to be superficial, right? To not be authentic, to not be transparent, to come and just put on a face of, of kindness and love and those kinds of things, while in reality, God is trying to take and go to a deeper place in our hearts, to have a sincere love, a sincere and fervent love for one another. And this is a work, really, that we need God to show up in our lives. This is why we're stacking some of these stones as we are. You see, ultimately, this is a, it's a response to the gospel. It's a response to what God has done from us, but that that should then move us into this place of change. It should move us into a place of desiring and entering into God's process of transformation, which is discipleship, which is sanctification. It's the change in our lives that God wants to do in us and through us. He wants to heal us up, and then he wants to knit us together as a, as a community. But it's really key that we actually enter into this process of healing, that we actually not just take these things as, as concepts, but that they move to our heart so that we can apply these things in our lives in, in just a really meaningful way, so that we can come together as a community that actually is attractive to the world out there. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear more about it today at the meeting, but we've, we've kind of started toying with a little bit of a vision statement, and that, that it's this idea, it's, it's transformational maturity, whoops, transformational maturity creating irresistible community. In other words, that we all have a responsibility to actually enter into this process of forgiveness, of love, of healing, of, 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 of having the gospel really go in and have God change us so that we can then together formulate and become a community that's actually attractive to the world out there. It actually um, looks like a place where people could be on the outside of it and say, you know what, I believe if I went in those doors that those people have something to really offer me because it's working for them. And, and, and I think that sometimes this is the real tragedy of the church is, is on a lot of levels, and I'm not talking about just our church, I'm talking about church in general, is that we aren't demonstrating to the world this community that looks different. We're not demonstrating. We're, we look just like the world on so many levels. Yeah, we come together and we get together for Sunday, but this is not what God is talking about. We're going to deal more with that. Galatians 5.13, for you are called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love you serve one another. So we have this great freedom. S'more one another. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted forgiving each other just as God in Christ also forgave, has forgiven you. Ephesians 5.21, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. 1 Peter 4.9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. So, so just kindness, real, true, authentic, tenderheartedness, real, authentic, and genuine forgiveness. You know why God keeps telling us we got to forgive each other? Because we are an offense to one another in reality. The closer that we get in relationship to one another, the more intimate, the more authentic our community becomes, the more opportunities that there are for offense, the more that it's just mandated and absolutely necessary that we are a people that are quick to forgive in your marriage, right? It's going to take two forgivers to get this right, to get it to happen, right? We have to be quick. We have to understand this, and we have to really be willing to move into these areas of forgiveness and not hold on to resentment. Um, Ephesians 5.21, be subject to one another in the fear 
of Christ, in the respect of Jesus, that we are to be subject to one another just as he subjected himself to us. As a matter of fact, think about this. The king of heaven left everything. He left, he left his position. He left, he left his power behind. He left everything that he had, and he came, and he lived a human life. He subjected himself to his creation, allowed himself to be spit upon, to be beaten, to be nailed to a cross so that he could then become our source and our place of redemption. This is the type of subjection to one another that Jesus is calling us to. And hospitality. You see, from, from here out, we're really, the, the, the gospel, discipleship, and, and this idea of community are so formative that our next things that we're gonna begin to talk about, things like generosity, things like um, hospitality, service, and even endurance are just key to these three principles right here in the middle. Be hospitable to one another. Again, like we talked last week, if you look at Jesus's ministry, what you're going to see is that a whole lot of the ministry doesn't take place here. I mean, I'd like to think it does, but in reality, most nobody's going to remember what I had to say next week. By Wednesday, it's all out, but you know what you will remember? You will remember the relationships that you have within this church body. And hospitality, how about ministry at our tables? How about opening up our homes and our tables so that we have the opportunity to share hope and build relationships with those who are outside of this community. This is a unique community. I can't stress this enough. The church exists for those who aren't part of it. Most communities, most organizations exist for themselves. Ours exists for those who aren't part of it. Ours exists so that we might encourage one another, so that we might grow ourselves, so that we might, so that we might come to know God more and the ways of God more. But ultimately, the reason that we're doing everything that we're doing is so that we can go and fulfill the great commission that God has given to us to go, go to all the nations, go everywhere and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is why we do what we do. We don't just get together because it's a good thing to do. We get together so that we can corporately fulfill the mission that we've been given by Jesus as his church. Humility, it's gonna take humility. I like this one. C.S. Lewis is not thinking less of yourself. That's not humility. Thinking down about yourself, thinking poorly about yourself. That's not humility. Don't do that. It's thinking less. It's thinking of yourself less. That's what humility is. And it's gonna take humility to get this done. First Peter 5.5, 5, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we just, you know, in all humility, the problem with us is us, right? The, the struggle that we have as a church and as a people, the, the problem I have, I'm the common denominator in my troubles, my ego can be the common denominator in the struggles relationally that we have and that I have, and we have to be humble. We have to recognize that we don't have it all figured out. And here's the other thing. It's God's church, and it doesn't matter. Any one of us can, can, can not be here tomorrow, and this will go on if it's, been, it's his purposes for it to go on. It, none of us are a big deal 
in this whole thing. We have the privilege to participate. We have the privilege to join God in what he wants to do. We have the privilege to create a community that is effective to reach that community, Sheridan, this community, The Rock, for that community, Sheridan. That's what we're talking about, and that's what we need to be looking at. Ephesians 4, 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. See, that's our problem, right, is, is, is so many times, if it's not happening my way or on my terms, then I'm not really open to that. I'm not tolerant to that. I'm not humble in my approach to that. We got to forgive. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Don't judge. You know, we get really mixed with that. Let me say something about judgment and the kind of judgment that the Bible calls to. The, 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 the most understood and the most quoted verse in the Bible by the whole world is this, judge not lest you be judged. That's what the whole world says. Most people out there, out in the world know that Bible verse. Don't judge me, man. Don't judge lest you be judged. Let me just say that the proclamation of, of wrong behavior done with a loving heart and a right spirit is not judgment. Jesus very plainly throughout his ministry determined and said, this is not okay, this is okay. You're doing this, you shouldn't do it, you should do this. All throughout his ministry. So, so we can never say that this idea, that that's judgment. But let me tell you what judgment really is that the Bible is talking about. It's when we begin to assign worth to other people. We begin to say, because of your actions, because of what you're doing, because you participate in this, now you are a worthless human being, basically. That's the kind of judgment that's way above your pay grade. Don't do that, okay? Don't judge one another anymore. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. See, forgiveness is free. It's a free thing. It's not something that we wait for somebody to do all the right stuff, and then I'm gonna, forgiveness is a gift. It's free. And forgiveness is for the forgiver, so that you're not chaining yourself to events in the past that leave you unable to move forward. We've got to be quick to forgive, and we have to be a church understanding that the reason the Bible says to bear with one another is because sometimes we frustrate one another. Jeannie Brooks, I always love her analogy about the river rocks. She says, you know what about river rocks, the nice smooth stones you find in the river? They didn't start that way. They started out rough. But the way that they got smooth was they rubbed up against each other. And I just think, you know, in general, we just need to understand that that person that's rubbing up against you is exactly who you need. You don't need them to be gone. You need them, and you, and, and you need God to show up and show you how to get smooth in the middle of that whole thing. We want them gone. We're like, God, just get rid of them. Just get this person out of my life. And God is like, actually, that person is sharpening you. That person is smoothing you up. That person is exactly the person in your life. And see, when we come together and we have this, all this diversity, we have all these differences, we have just different perspectives and thoughts and understandings and backgrounds and all of that stuff, we are going to rub up against one another. 
But that's a good thing. See, we gotta become a people that start saying, we gotta quit saying easy is good, and we gotta start recognizing that hard is good. It's the hard things in life that change us. It's the difficulties in life that actually grow us and create character in us that wasn't there before. And we need each other to honestly live out the lives and to be the Christian men and women that God is calling us to be. You can't do this in a vacuum. You can't do this alone. I need other people's perspective on me because you know who I'm the most blind to? Me. Thanks to all you guys' stuff, real plain. We need each other. We need each other to, 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 to get real, to, to be intimate, to, to grow and to change because so many times we're just really blind to that. We want to encourage each other. This is part of why we meet. If you say, well, why do we do this on Sunday? We do this to encourage one another. We do this to grow as individuals. We do this so that we might heal, so that we can pray for one another, so that we can confess to one another, so that we can begin to move forward, so that we can get out of the nest, man, so that we can jump. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, we're supposed to be sold out for church. We're not supposed to go to church. We are supposed to be a part of church. We're supposed to engage church and recognize our place within the body. You see, you hear this a lot, and I get it. Don't get me wrong, and you've probably said it. I'm not trying to be an offense. I've said it. But you hear people say, well, my church is up on the mountain. That's my church. church my church is up there. And, and you know what? That's awesome. God's creation is amazing. It's beautiful. It's his first um, form of, of, of revelation to us to show us who he is. But guess what? Church ain't mountains. It's people. So if we're going to go to church, we have to have a... We have to have people involved in that. It's not something where we go and we isolate ourselves and we just do this journey alone. Therefore, encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. So we meet here so that we're like, man, you know what? What do you got going on? How's that going? And, and, and are you, you witnessing to, to that? Uh, you know, how's that going with your coworker? How's that going with your kids? Or how's your marriage happening? Or, or you know, I, I, how's your health? I know you're, we encourage one another because we need to be encouraged. We, we, we're a people that we need encouragement or else, you know what, we'll absolutely wither as individuals without the encouragement of a bigger group. And, and, and it's, it's this, it's the face-to-face -face stuff, it's the real and authentic relationships that are gonna make a difference in our lives, not shooting a text, not just a touch point on Facebook. And you know what, I'm not against those things. I'm not trying to demonize Facebook or, or social media or texting or any of those things. But, but those are just tools. They're not a substitute for authentic and real relationship. And the world out there is looking for authentic. This is why gangs flourish places, right? It's because there are young men that, that have been excluded. They don't have uh, uh, fathers. They, they, they don't have that influence. They don't have that community. And there's that need for them to be a part of something greater than themselves and bigger than themselves. So gangs become a family. 
It becomes a community that they offer to themselves, and it works because we're created for this stuff. We gotta teach, we teach one another, we grow, we learn. And that doesn't mean just me teaching you, it's you teaching me, it's all of us teaching one another, it's all of us participating in this. See, when we, when we come to small group and we, we, we have each of us a perspective and we have something that God has been teaching us or showing us through scriptures, I can't tell you how many times I've sat as the leader in small group and went, wow, I never thought about that that way. <laughs> That's really cool, thank you for sharing. You see, because where two or more are gathered, right, Jesus says that he is there. Now, that, that doesn't say there's got to be 200 or 2,000 or anything. We just two, but, but there's a community. There, there's, there's the idea of perspective that's greater than ourselves and bigger than just us. Romans 15, 14, and concerning you, my brethren, I, also, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all, all knowledge and able also to admonish or encourage or build one another up. You can do this. That's the thing. We can do this. You can do this. Don't, please, please don't have the thing of saying, man, I just, I went too far. I'm not good enough or this or that. God can use you. Look at the, the, the dudes that, that God picked. Look at his disciples. They weren't the most qualified theologians of the day, right? They were just dudes, and they all had their struggles. And we should take heart in that because there's a message in that that says, you know what? God is ready to use you too. And that's part of, this is why we meet. We meet so that we tell each other, you can do it. Go out there, do it, live this out. Reach your coworkers. Go be Jesus to your neighbor. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, we, we get together and we corporately worship together. And music, I'm convinced, it's a powerful medium. It touches us in a place that other things don't. It opens up a, a, a perspective right into your soul. I'm gonna tell you it's important what you listen to and what message you let go in because God created music for worship. All music has an object of worship to it, and, and we open ourselves up to something. And so corporately, when we come together and we begin to worship, we prepare ourselves to hear a message, not just for us, not just so that we just know more and we have more knowledge, no, so that we can go and apply that outside, so that we go and share that outside. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Why? So that you might be healed. That's not an everybody thing. I mean, I'm not going to say, okay, today is, uh, let's see, it's, it's Vicky's turn. Come on, Vicky. Confess your sins to us and then we'll pray for you. No, no, that's not the picture. The picture is this. The picture is you find somebody that you trust, somebody that you can trust, somebody that you could be confident in, that, that, that they have your best at heart, and then you tell them the struggles that you're having. You tell them your shortcomings. You tell them your failures. Why? So that they can pray for you so that you might find healing. Because the worst thing that we can do in the world with those things is to just shove them down into some dark place and pretend like they'll go away. They'll have unhealthy effects in your life. I absolutely promise you, bacteria grows in the dark and it grows really good in the dark. But if you get a hold of it and you pull it out into the light, it's gotta die. It loses its power to shame us. It loses its ability to crush us. It loses its ability to move us into unhealthy behaviors when we actually just 
tell it to somebody. It's not about shame. It's not about it. The reality of it is, is that we're all struggling with stuff in here. You think you look around in here and you think people got it together? Let me just say, no, right? And we all know it to be the truth. We don't have it together. The reality of us is that we're a mess, but it's a beautiful mess. It's, it's this diverse mess that comes together under the name of Jesus that is recreated into something absolutely amazing and effective that's supposed to go out into the world and change the world. You see, God isn't looking for all of these amazing people so that he can use them. You know what he wants to do? He wants to take messes like you and me and then go out and have them change the whole community around them. And then that way, guess who knows who did it? We all do. We know, man, we're too much of a mess to pull that off. It was only God through us because I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And this is what God does. He takes what shouldn't work. He takes what shouldn't work. He took uh, this, this life beside this, this place the, 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 in this small town of, of Galilee and, and, and around in this little sea of Galilee, and, and he took this life that should have faded into obscurity, and he changed the whole world with it. This is what he wants to do with us. It's what he wants to do with our lives. Devoted, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. This is, this is the community that, that, that sprang out of the early church. And it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What an amazing community that they, that, that, that they had. I mean, and, and this, this community, this idea of that just inside of us, is, I want to be a part of something like that. I want to see that happen. I want to see that happen here in our church. I want to see that happen out in our community. I want to see that become a reality in us that we would love Jesus so much that everything about our lives, we would be like, look, it's just all his. It's it's all his. I'm I'm, I'm a steward of whatever it looks like. And you know what? If if it can help you, um, that would be a blessing. If we could truly just get a hold of this idea of what does it mean to be devoted to be truly devoted to God's church. Not, not, not loosely affiliated, not like, hey, I go and it's handy um, when the rest of the schedule is cleared, but to truly be devoted like the disciples were to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, to the word, to prayer. It says they were absolutely devoted themselves to that. And through that came an amazing trans. Uh, what do I want to say? Just, uh, I lost my word. Um, everything went blank up there. Um, transformation. Thank you. Into this community, this community just spilled up out of that and amazing things happened and they, and it totally changed their perspective, but you know what? They were devoted. They devoted themselves to the teaching, to the word, to prayer and to the breaking of bread to remembering Jesus until he returns, to study of his word, to praying together, and all of these things. And so they were devoted. 
Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. You know what? In all honesty, Jesus gives priority to this family over biological family. That doesn't minimize biological family, but the family of God, the family that we're born into when we're born again is the most important family that we have. Hopefully our biological family is also part of that family, but we, we, we're, we're called and we're told that we really need to be devoted to the family, to God's family and our participation in that. Again, Ephesians 4, it gives us this picture of, of what is God doing in the church. And it says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love." You see, there's a place for you and there's a place for me in this thing. And there's a ministry for all of us to do. God has works that he prepared in advance that we might walk in them. But what does it look like? It looks like a body. It looks like a living thing composed of all of us moving into the world around us. This is how Jesus has chose to be himself here on earth is through his church. And his church is either moving or it's standing still. And if it's standing still, then I wanna tell you, and you know this, but there's a whole lot of brokenness out there. There's a whole lot of pain that's out there. There's a whole lot of struggles, and we cannot just be a people who say, look, it's not in my backyard. It's not directly in my backyard, and I'm okay, and I got my door shut. Um, we are meant to be a body that's moving out into the world, that's going, that is making disciples. God is calling his church to be a representative of himself here on earth. The big question is, is church for us or is it for God? Do we come and do this just for us? Is it, is it about us? Because that leads to consumerism. That leads to a consumerism attitude about church. What's church gonna do for me? But when we recognize that church is really about God, it's all about him. It's all about him anyway. And we get to play a part in this thing. Will we be this community, the rock, so that we can effectively reach that community, Sheridan and beyond? It's not going to church, but it's belonging to church. It's devotion to church. It's a devotion and being devoted to something that's greater than ourselves. It's about being known. It's about knowing each other. It's about being um, intimate. It's about being transparent. It's about being open. And uh, we're going to show real quick. It's our fourth Sunday, which is Testimony Sunday. So we have Marilyn Hood, um, our administrator, and uh, she's got her testimony. Here you go. All right. So here we are. We're going to uh, do a four-minute faith story. Marilyn. Um, who does a lot of our administrative stuff, um, is going to share with us 
She's going to give us your four-minute faith story, Marilyn. Take it away. All right. Um, my name is Marilyn Hood, and I am the fifth oldest of a family of 15. Um, God has always been a part of my life. Um, we, as a family, went to church. Um, I attended Catholic school for five years, and we would go to school, and we would have about 30 minutes of Bible study, um, learning about the Bible. It was generally the Gospels. And then we would walk over to the church, and we would attend Mass, and then we'd go to Mass on Sundays. So I was in the church a lot. I heard the Word of God. Um, my mom would read for, f to us kids before we went to bed from the Bible. And then um, we kind of fell away from church as a family in my teenage years. And then when I was older, I wanted to get back into church. I had kids. I wanted them to... Um, know the Lord, and we lived in Torrington, and we started attending um, the Berean Fundamental Church. And on some Sundays, there was an invitation to come to the front and accept the Lord as your Savior. And um, I found myself walking up there one day, don't really recall planning on it, it just kind of happened. And I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and then, um, Church was over, we gathered up the kids, went home, and I had an experience from the van to the house where suddenly I just felt lighter. It felt like like there had been a boulder or something on my shoulders that I didn't even realize was there and it was gone. It was a beautiful um, summer day, the sun was shining, and I didn't understand it then, but through my walk with Christ I've come to realize that it was was the Spirit of God that took the time to reiterate to, to me what I had just done in church. And um, so then I began my journey with, with the Lord. And as a child, I knew that God created the earth and all of us. And I knew that Jesus died for the sins of the world. But knowing God on a global stage is completely different than knowing Him personally. And um, the Lord has just shown me um, throughout my time with Him how um, so many things that were ingrained in me were not actually the truth. We don't, we don't worship a Savior that's on the cross. We worship a Savior that's risen. One of the wonderful things that Jesus did personally for me was um, what was show me um, how much he cares for women. And I thought about this a lot of times, and it occurred to me one time as I was reading God's Word that when Jesus rose from the dead, he showed himself first to women. His disciples were terrified. They were in hiding. And these two women, imagine the task of running to where they were and convincing them, we just seen the Lord. I mean, it's something, yes. you know? And um, the other thing that I, I just, one of the, the thing that I love so much about God, I mean, there's many obviously, but is his spirit that he, gave to all of us who accept Jesus as his Savior. And once you encounter the Spirit of God, it's like 
having this awesome meal and you just want more and more and more and and when if you go through times where it's not happening you, you know it's concerning to you because it's like your contact it's like your your line to God and the spirits available to anybody and sometimes when you have a memory from the past there's a little clouding there where you think, I don't know if this happened next or if that happened next. But when you have an encounter with the Spirit of God, you don't forget it. My first encounter with Him is as real to me today as it was when it happened. And I love the Lord for it. And I would say to anyone, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done or not done, what you said or not said. God's waiting for all of us. The price that Jesus paid was more than we can ever imagine. But the cost to us is just to acknowledge it and to accept him. I mean, God couldn't have made it easier for us. All right. Well, Marilyn, Thank you so much for sharing with us and giving us a little glimpse into your testimony. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We just ask, Lord, that you would create in us, Lord, a, a community that, that's pleasing to you, Lord. Help us as, as individuals to, to find our place, to know uh, that you're calling us into this. And, and Lord, help us to be real, too, with the, with the work that needs to be done. Help us to be uh, just transparent. Help us to be open to you and to the things of you. Help us to bear with one another. Help us to forgive. Help us to encourage one another. And help us, Lord, to effectively reach the community that you've put us in the middle of. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.